I'm Andrew Murata, host of the Education Leadership and Beyond podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you are listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome back to Behind the Mic, Voices of the EPN. This is episode five, and today I am going to be talking with Jessica Peresta. She is the host of the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast, and she's, of course, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, so you have to make sure you're listening to her podcast and make sure you're checking out the other shows on our network, and our website, as always, is edupodcastnetwork.com. Now, let's be joined by Jessica. Jess, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me today. I am so glad that you are here. And I mean that in many senses. Like, I'm so glad your podcast exists. I'm so glad it's a part of the network. And I am so glad that you are creating the content that you're creating and because you're just a wonderful person. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and, and your podcast is special because there's not a lot of podcasts built for the elementary school teacher, let alone the elementary music teacher. It was one of my favorite subjects in school, though I don't play any instruments and I can barely hold a tune, but you're doing a service. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. It's so much fun. And you're right. There's not a whole lot out there for elementary music teachers. And um, there are more now, more podcasts coming out. But I feel like when I started mine, and we can get into that, there weren't a lot. And so that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to start one. Excellent. Well, why, why don't we kind of go into that? Why don't you talk a little bit about your background in education and how that got you into podcasting? Yes. So my teaching journey started in all the way back in the dinosaur ages in 2005. I, <laughs> I started in the middle of the school year and walked into a situation where in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the school had not had a music program for seven years. And I was basically asked to rebuild it. And, but I did not have a budget. I did not have any instruments. I didn't have any curriculum, nothing. So I was just like, I'm sure like, <laughs> that sounds easy enough. But anyways, I, I was there, um, for a little while for, for a few years and did that. And so after that experience, I realized how many music teachers were out there like myself, who I had either met at in person workshops or conferences or even online. And I was like, Oh my goodness, there's a lot of teachers who find themselves in a situation like me where they, come into the teaching to a, to a school that hasn't had music for a while, or maybe it has had music, but they still have no idea what to teach. Because in college, um, if you go the music education route, you take all the education classes like the other education majors, but you get one semester of elementary music methods, one. So you leave that class going, I mean, how, you know, how am I supposed to apply what I learned? So my heart for working with teachers and for wanting to start a podcast to share just started as some solo episodes. And then I started meeting people and wanting to bring on guests who were knowledgeable in areas that maybe I wasn't. Let me follow up with what does it mean to take a singular course about teaching elementary school music? What is that? What are those methods? What does that mean? So in the elementary music classroom there, and it's funny because when you use this language with people who are not music teachers, they look at you like, what? But I think that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's, you know, and it's just like, I equate it back to, you know, if you teach reading or math, there's so many different curriculum you can pull from or styles of teaching. 
So there's the ORF, they call it the ORF method that is very heavily focused on movement and getting the kids, the instruments and a lot more to it than that. And then there's the Kadai approach, which is a lot of rhythmic and melody based. And then Dal Crows is also a lot of movement. And so you learn about all these different teaching approaches and, but you're not really sure which one to pull from or why you should use it. And so it, it just, you learn the, the, what is it? The why, but not the how. Okay. And, or the what. And so when you get into the classroom, a lot of times you're, you're just figuring it out on your own until you connect with some mentors or other teachers that can kind of guide you through that. And it seems like when you talk about mentors and, and, and inspiration, you know, is that the driving force behind why you created your show? Absolutely. So uh, I tell the story that my mentor teacher was a seasoned teacher. She was great, but she taught third grade. So she could help me with, you know, pedagogical things and classroom management questions and things like that. But when it came to teaching music, we uh, in the music world, we talk about being on the music teacher island because you were usually, I say usually because I did student teaching at a school that had a lower um, elementary music teacher and an upper grades elementary music teacher. That's very rare, but for the most part, you're the only one in your school building. So having a music teacher mentor, some districts are better at doing that and some are not. And it's very hard to figure out where do I go if I have questions? And so that is a big driving force behind starting my podcast for sure. And when did you start your podcast for somebody who is not listening to it? I want to say 2016, and I should know the exact date. Actually, it might be 2019. I'm going to take that back. 2019 is when the podcast started. Excellent. Uh, can you describe any challenges that you faced in launching the podcast and how you overcame any of those road bumps? My story is a little funny, and I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. So I use Anchor, which is now Spotify for, for podcasters. Anchor started as just this... I don't know. I like a audio snippet. You could share just like these short ideas, like five minutes here or there. And I started doing that. And people I wanted would reply to, share. to you. Yes. And it was, yeah. So it was very like hands off. It wasn't a lot of planning involved. And then I started thinking, well, why am I not doing more with this? And so it naturally happened because it naturally decided to turn into a podcast platform and I just went for it. I had no idea what I was doing at first. I laughed because when I go back and listen to, <laughs> And if you want to do that, it's fine. But I think everybody should go back to people's beginning episodes of podcast because it shows you like where we are now is not where we started. Oh, I promote episode I, ones yeah. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's not like the episode was bad content wise, but you can tell I was struggling to know where to go next and was kind of like, am I? Oh, wait, I was going to say that it was just kind of a hot mess. So struggles with podcasting is not really knowing how to outline an episode. I didn't really know about adding intros and outros and what the point of that was, or if there even was a point. I didn't, I didn't know how to edit at all, any audio. So the beginning episodes are probably not edited much. Let's be honest. Uh, I mean, little, you know, the ins and outs of things like that. And then I didn't know about even creating graphics for show for the different episode covers or People were like, oh, you need to create show notes. And I'm like, what? I had been a blogger, but I knew like I couldn't make it that long. So just all of the logistical things I would say was a huge struggle for me at first. Nice. And and how did you, was it learning over time or were there resources that you used to kind of pick up some of that new knowledge? How, how did you go about flattening the curve? Yes. So 
first of all, I think one thing that really did help me is I am a big podcast listener of education podcasts, but I love all kinds of podcasts. I mean, I will just kind of depends on what I'm in the mood for. And so kind of just started listening to the way others did things. And I was like, oh, I like how they did an intro like that. Or this person doesn't even do an intro or this person, their episodes are this short and theirs are a little longer. Why? Or they have guests or they, I just started kind of making notes based upon what I was listening to. But also I, I joined a couple of different Facebook groups for podcasters and I, I sometimes am a lurker in those groups. I know it sounds creepy, but I will sometimes just go to the search bar and search for questions I have because a lot of times they've already been answered. That helped me tremendously as well. So then I just kind of started in my own mind formatting the way I wanted my show to look like. And that's what I started doing. So I decided to switch from just solo episodes to starting to wanting to bring guests on my show. But that was also a learning curve of how do I do that? So I just started reaching out to people I knew there was a lot of no's and then there were a couple yeses and the couple yeses turned into more yeses. And then I think it's a natural thing where if someone hears someone on your podcast or they've shared it out, someone's like, what's this podcast? Or, oh, I would like to talk about that or be on her show as well. So it just, my biggest piece of advice for someone new is just to get started. You're not going to know all the things at first, but just get started. Then you'll figure out how you want your show to look. I, I, I totally get it. Again, I'm a podcaster, right? <laughs> uh, so before we, we go forward, just so you, the listener, definitely checks it out, you can find uh, Jess's podcast on edupodcastnetwork.com. But of course, she has her own website, which is thedomesticmusician.com, where you can find out all about what Jess is doing. You can connect with the podcast. And of course, all those links will be in the show notes, which are a swipe or a tap away where you're listening to this show. And of course, it'll be on our website as well. But make sure you do check it out. Whether or not you are a music teacher or not, her podcast will have something for you. That's safe to say. I can make that. I can make that leap. <laughs> oh, I absolutely agree with that. I a lot of the conversations we have on the podcast. Yes, it's called the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast, but a lot of the conversations could be for any educator for sure. I love that. Okay, so in in the last uh, question, you talked about listening to other podcasts and taking inspiration. And that kind of helped you learn how you wanted to do your show. So based on what you've learned from other podcasts, what do you think it is about your perspective that you bring to podcasting? So if somebody listens to your show for how to podcast, what could they take away from your show? What's your, what's your thing? One thing I actually tell my guests that come on is I want it to feel conversational. I want someone listening to the podcast to feel like we're just sitting down to coffee, having a conversation. I don't want my episodes to get too long or to feel too dry. I know for me, I start tuning out my personality. I'm just like, I have so much going on. I Sometimes I'll, I'll start a podcast and then maybe listen to it later. But if it's, I feel like it's not, if it's too in, informational and not conversational, I know for myself, I resonate more with those. Now, other people may disagree with me and they want the more informational, less conversational ones. But as you can tell, my personality, I'm just very, uh, I love to talk. I'm a bit, I'm pretty sarcastic. And I remember the beginning. So going back to that, I was very dry. I was very kind of robotic and I have to sound professional. And I finally got to the point where I was like, that's not me though. And so people have commented that they could tell like, you're, you're like, totally who you are on your podcast is if they meet me 
you know, on a Zoom call or whatever it might be that they say you're the same person. And that's my goal is the Jessica that you hear on my podcast. I want whether we have a face to face interaction or virtually online that they know that who you hear is the real person. And I want it to be conversational and engaging to listen to. So I feel like that sets me apart where I'm not the only one doing that, but I know that some podcasters and it's personalities, of course, but they're not as, they're more afraid to maybe bring their personality into it and they just want more informational. And that's just not me. People can't see me right now, but I've been shaking my head the whole time because (laughs) I I too went through that transformation, right? Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of podcasters who do exactly that where their personality comes through and I've yeah. coached people over the years to, you know, have your personality come through and not sound robotic and formulaic and just kind of just be yourself. You've got to be authentic, right? Although I've had people tell me, uh, and I'm going to call out my brother because he doesn't like my, he thinks I have a podcasting voice, but <laughs> I don't think I do. Like, I think I'm just like the same guy. He's like, no, you sound different mm-hmm. when you do. I can't listen to anything you do, mm-hmm. but I, I, maybe that's just my little brother picking on me after picking on him for many years. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing, I think I was so afraid of turning people away from my show or they won't like me. I'm too much. I'm going to bring in too much of my personality. What if I make a joke? No, they're not going to want to listen, but you're never going to every, you're not going to ever reach everyone. You're not going to be for everyone. And there's other podcasts out there that are for other people. And that's okay. I got to the point where I have to be myself and I'm going to attract the people who need what I'm saying and need the episodes. And then deter the people who don't, and that's okay. So I think that's a part of it too, is people, podcasters are, especially starting out, you're so afraid of not being liked or nobody's going to listen if I'm too much. But when you're yourself, it's the opposite. It starts growing naturally because you are being you and you're attracting people who resonate with you. Absolutely. People come for the content and they Mm -hmm. stay because of the host, Mm -hmm. right? So oh remember, God. if you who's listening is thinking about podcasting, you've got a unique perspective and consider sharing it, right? You might be an elementary music teacher, just like Jess. You've got something to say. You've got a perspective. Now, let's be honest. Jess, would you like to be the only music teacher themed podcast that people listen to worldwide? No, I think different voices and different perspectives are so important. All right, then we're a little different because I would love to be the only ed tech podcast. <laughs> but... <laughs> But, you're like, wait, let's go back. But, no, no, no. But but the <laughs> yeah. reality is you're right. It is that unique perspective. It is that unique perspective because you can listen to me when my episode comes out. It's time shifted. There's no competition. There's room for everybody. And I think sometimes people forget that or they let imposter syndrome creep in and, you know, we've all gone through it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I, yeah, I've, uh, I agree with you. <laughs> when you consider your journey as a podcaster. What do you think? And again, you are someone who has produced more than 250 episodes. So you're marching towards 300 as we record this. And what do you think is your biggest accomplishment since you started the podcast? Kind of like because of the podcast. Yeah, I am blown away at, it's really fun when you see the stats of not just the numbers, which that has grown, but the amount of people from around the world, the different countries people are listening from. I had no idea my reach would go that far. And it's it's just so cool to see that. So that impact of 
I don't even view it as a number, but it's a person listening from whatever that faraway country, maybe somebody I've never even really heard of from, you know, since geography class, which I can't remember, but some, I just think that is so cool. And it's also open doors for me where um, I do have courses and a membership site and the podcast definitely helps my listeners get to know me like we've already talked about. So then when I do maybe promote something, then it's those who are ready to invest more. I will always offer the free, the content on the podcast, but if they're ready to invest more like financially, but also in themselves to learn, then they can come and join me there. And they know that I'm going to be, you know, the same voice they're hearing on my podcast, but it's also open other doors to collaborate, to have me be a guest on other podcasts uh, where, or someone's like, Hey, I heard your podcast. Do you want to do this blah, blah, blah job for us or something like that? It just, what the thing is with podcasting is you don't know how many doors it's going to open until you just get going. And that's what's happened. It's just organically started happening. Um, some opportunities like that. All right. couple of follow-ups. So I too have been amazed at when you see a podcast go global and when you realize that anybody can listen to you, although we all have to remember when you put something on the internet, that's what's going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there a specific country or region of the world that really made you go, wow, there's people there that are hearing my voice? Yeah. I Well, I'd have to open up my um, stats to see that, but I would say there's these teeny tiny countries, maybe like even in Europe. And I remember, you know, being just scrolling one day and looking, I'm like, what is that? And I had to Google one of these countries I hadn't heard of. And I was like, there's someone there listening in. That is so neat. So I can't remember the, uh, like a specific country name off the top of my head. But yeah, they're just those um, faraway places that you just maybe have never heard of. It's really cool. That's okay. I get it. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I can't recall a country myself, but I just thought I would ask. <laughs> I know geography is my strong suit, as you yeah. can tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as I did say, so you, you've produced more than 250 episodes. Again, go, going strong, creating great, valuable content. For somebody who is listening to this and maybe they're going to go check out your podcast, but they're not going to go back to episode one, is there mm-hmm. an episode or two that you would recommend that somebody go and check out? Yes. So I, well, it just depends on where, what you're needing. So what I will say is there to just search for what you're needing. If you go to the EPN website, but also my website, the domesticmusician.com forward slash podcast. There is a search bar. And if you type in classroom management or lesson planning or whatever else you may be looking for, you'll see episodes come up for that keyword. So it just honestly, my opinion about that, it just kind of depends on what you're needing. This summer has been really fun. Um, Well, this past summer when I was recording episodes all about just my favorite things. So it may have been my favorite And yes, it says music education, but my favorite music education websites, apps, podcasts, blogs, social media, and I can't remember the other things off the top of my head, but that's been really fun because it's been just a little more lighthearted, but just also just here, check out these things if you're needing something like a quick tip kind of thing. So I would say search bar is your best friend to find different topics you might be needing. No, I love that. And again, I appreciate that you mentioned the network website, but go to the Mm domesticmusician.com and uh, give Jess's website all the love that it deserves. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we go forward, Jess, can you talk about the ways besides your website that people can connect with you if they want to reach out? Maybe they have a question. How can they connect with you? 
Yeah, so I hang out on Instagram a lot. It's just at Jessica Peresta. And then you can also find, like he said, my podcast is the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast on any of the platforms you might like to listen in. And then you can also find me on Facebook uh, at The Domestic Musician. Those are probably the main places I hang out. And so just connect with me. You can email me with any questions, Jessica at the domestic musician.com. If you're curious about podcasting or how did you get started or anything like that, just pick my brain. I'm an open book. I love it. And as an educator and podcaster, that's a winning combination. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Just when you think about your podcast, uh, how has your podcast affected your own teaching? You know, that is actually a great question. So I just started a brand new teaching position. We're now in October and it's part-time. It's a private school, but I'm teaching two days a week elementary music. So what's really fun is even these episodes, maybe even I recorded myself, but also some guest episodes. I have gone back and listened to some of those episodes and taken notes based upon whatever the topic was around to kind of give myself a refresh of, oh, wait a minute. I know this, but now being able to apply that knowledge in the actual classroom setting, that's helped me so much. So I think that's fun because you have your own, honestly, professional development right at your fingertips, even though it's your own show. So I, th- it's been amazing. That's a good thing. So you, you've also mentioned a couple of times in this conversation that you have guests on some of your episodes. Uh, do you have a favorite guest that you were like, yep, nothing but gold on this episode. Awesome guest. Awesome connection. Oh my gosh, that's so hard to narrow down. That Franklin Willis is, he's become a good friend of mine and he now works for the Country Music Educators Association. I'm probably saying that wrong, but in Tennessee, he is a former elementary music teacher, but also a, a fine arts coordinator for a district and just a, so much. And he's been on my podcast twice and we've talked about um, culturally relevant mu- teaching in the music room. And then also just kind of broken down even our stories of becoming entrepreneurs and how to get started with that. And just the conversations with him are just so good because we go off script a lot, which that's sometimes the, the like nerve wracking for the podcast host, <laughs> but it's also good because, you know, you just, like I said, I want it to feel conversational. And so I would say if you just search up Franklin Willis and then maybe type in Jessica Presto, you'll see his episodes come up. He's just a breath of fresh air. Now uh, on the other side of that coin, who is somebody that you – who's the big fish guest that you would love to have on your show to to have a conversation with? Oh, that's a good question too. Oh, my goodness. I would say maybe someone from the National Association for Music Education or even the NAM show, N-A-M-M. They are – or even someone from Quaver Music Ed. Those are the three big music ed like businesses that having someone from one of their – businesses would be great to just kind of talk music ed with them. I don't know what any of that is because I'm not a music <laughs> teacher, but hopefully I, I will tag this episode and we'll, we'll let's, let's bother mm-hmm. them and make them, mm-hmm. aware. I'm sure they're aware of you. If not, we're going to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now I'm again, because it's a podcast and I kind of like to improv, uh, we're going to play, can we play a game real quick? Sure. Uh, this is the lightning round. So I'm going to okay. ask you some questions about elementary music and just quick off the top of your head. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Favorite grade level to work with in the music realm? I love to work with upper elementary, so I would say fourth or fifth. Favorite instrument that you play? Piano. How many instruments can you play? 
I play piano, clarinet, and then any of the, of course, rhythm instruments in the music, elementary music classroom. Is there an instrument you detest? (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't say this because I'm an elementary music teacher, but probably the recorder until I I will say. I knew that was going to be the answer. I don't uh, know why. The very first week is horrendous. It's cats dying. But then once the kids get through, once they are, they learn it, it sounds beautiful. So I will say that there is a benefit to it. Yes. A lot lot of hot cross buns. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That song. (laughs) Um, Actually, uh, uh, not, not, this is not a hot cross buns question, uh, but in your role as an elementary music teacher, are you, or have you been in roles where you're the person who is leading the winter concert and the spring concert and doing all that planning. It like, is is that falling on your shoulders and is that enjoyable? Mm -hmm. It does fall on my shoulders and it is enjoyable. Sometimes I will say it is enjoyable when you are able to make decisions. Um, not like as the trusted as the professional you are to make decisions about the performance. It is the hard part is the some I worked at a school where the students sometimes would not show up for the performance. Not all of them, but you would have some just miss randomly or uh, communication around the performances. A lot of parents saying they didn't know any information, although I had communicated it over and over and over. The performance part itself is so fun and so rewarding, and that's actually really fun to do. Well, as a father and an attendee of some of these events. I agree. And thank you for your services because it is not easy to yeah. to do that, whether it's the drama club or the music or the chorus. So anything in those arts, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> All right, Jess, I hope you've had fun here on this episode. Uh, and I have one final question, and that is what key lessons have you learned on your podcasting journey that you would like to share with aspiring podcasters or even any nuggets of wisdom that could help uh, an educator in general? Yes. So when it comes to podcasting, I mentioned this earlier, but my biggest piece of advice is to just, first of all, narrow in on who you want to talk to, who, what audience do you want to speak to? And maybe you don't know yet. And maybe you don't, you're like, oh, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to share. And I had those thoughts. How in the heck am I going to have something to share each week? And it just comes to you. You just see these ideas that just keep coming to you. And, oh, I need to have that topic on or that guest on. Biggest piece of advice then is just to get started, just to start sharing. Don't worry about all the logistics and is it perfect and how does my audio sound? Just get your voice out there, get yourself heard and share your knowledge with teachers who need it most. I love it. I hope you had fun on this episode of the show. Yes, so much fun. Thank (laughs) you for having me. So again, Jess is the host of the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. You can find everything about her on the show on her website, thedomesticmusician.com. That'll be a swipe or a tap away in the show notes, or just go out to her website. It's not that hard. Connect with her, ask her questions, listen to her podcast. And uh, if there's an elementary school music teacher in your life, definitely share the podcast with them. We'll be back next time with uh, another great conversation as we go behind the mic. And Jess, I want to thank you again for being on this episode. Thank you for having me.